Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called Numbers, Preparing for Promise. The book of Numbers gives us insight and warnings for how a covenant people of God should engage with seasons in the wilderness. We will see God's sovereign hand at work over the course of this series as he shaped and molded Israel in preparation for the promised land that awaited them. Although Israel endured many trials and tribulations, oftentimes due to their own sin, the Lord's plan of salvation is at work in numbers as he centers his people on himself. You have stumbled upon Q&A Sunday. Do you know what Q&A means? Q&A, question and answer. It's a cool Sunday. Cool Sunday to be here. And so they're going to put a number up on the screen. Um, We are closing out a series on numbers. We just walked through the book of Numbers, and we followed the the people of God through the wilderness and their wanderings. And um, a couple times throughout the year, two, three times throughout the year, most of the Sundays that we have, the communication goes from here to there. A couple times throughout the year, what we like to do is a chance for you to ask questions from there to here um, to kind of close the loop. I'm sure throughout the weeks as we preach the gospel and preach the scriptures that uh, you have questions about the Bible and life and how the two intersect, intertwine. And so this morning, you get to ask questions live via text, if you can text. And there's the number. We used to use my cell phone number. Not anymore. No. No. I caught on to you, you know. Um, So this number is not anyone's cell phone number. This is a generic number that goes to the church, okay? So we don't sell your information to insurance companies or car warranty people. um, So we're not going to give your number out. Because some of you are asking that question. Well, I don't want to text a weird number. Send us a text. Uh, And some people have asked questions leading up to today. And so I'm going to jump right in. Everybody say right in. in. Um, We had some questions come in prior to this Sunday. And I'm going to start with the one that actually came out of our study in numbers. Are you texting in yet? Go ahead and text in. Go ahead and do it if you have questions. So here's here's the cool thing. Whether I answer it in service, there's two things to, I guess, for you to pick up on. One, it's anonymous. We are not, we don't know who's sending the text messages. um, And even if we did recognize your number, we wouldn't put your name up on the screen. Hey, Johnny B wants to know why you're wearing that vest. Okay, we're not going to put your name up on the screen. So it is anonymous. And this isn't just adults. If you are a teenager in the room, a, a middle schooler, a, 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 a pre-high school, I don't, I don't care what age you are. If you're still in the room, you can ask a question. Um, the reason we do it via text is because some of you may come up and try and play stump the pastor from a microphone. And uh, so one day we might get to that point once I can filter some of those questions Um, because not all questions um, impact everybody. So whether it is impacting everybody or not, text in your questions. They come to here. Look, somebody just tried to call that number. 
I'm not going to pick up your phone call, okay? All right. Oh, maybe it's people online. It could be people online. Hey, listen, if you're online today and you see this number, you can text in from home. Um, And so here come the questions. I'm going to start with the one, though, from our number series. This is going to be fun. Are you ready? Have you ever been? How many of you have been to one of our Q&A Sundays before? How many of you, this is the first time you've ever seen a Q&A Sunday? Awesome. Very cool. This is, yeah. Hey, can, can, I, can I just give a praise report real quick? Trey and Marissa and little Jack are in the back. Yay. Yeah, show him off. There he is. Now, let me say this next before I give the praise report. Do not bum rush them and ask to touch and kiss the baby, all right? Give them some space. You bring kids to church and everybody's like, ah, you know, let me slobber on their toes. I, we don't need that. Not today. Let them, let them have a little space. Welcome them. But uh, we prayed for little Jack a couple weeks ago and God responded to our prayers Marissa went in the hospital with some complications the next weekend, and we prayed, and she's sitting at the back today. Yeah. Hey, listen, we, we love you guys. So glad you're here. Um, so glad God hears our prayers. Sometimes we think that um, this actually leads me right into my first question, um, which was this. With Numbers 14 in mind, do our prayers change God's mind? I want to take us there very quickly. So um, if you weren't here for the number series, you can kind of catch up. If you go to Numbers chapter 14, uh, what we see is the people of God rebel. They've been complaining. They rebel. And just to be very short, because I want to get to other questions. Um, they rebel And God responds to their rebellion. Um, In fact, as Moses, everybody say Moses. Moses is writing. If if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew in front of you if you want to turn there. Um, If you don't have a Bible at home, take that with you. It's our gift. So they complain. We see the people rebel at the beginning. And then this is what God says. God says in 14... Uh, Verse 11, he says, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs, this is God talking, I have done among them. And then watch in 12, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Can you say bad news? Yeah, bad news. And then Moses, in verse 13, he, Moses responds to the Lord saying this, and, and Moses prays. Everybody say praise. And he basically calls upon the Lord and says, what will other nations think of you? God, don't destroy them. He, this is where we get the concept of intercession, Interceding. You know what that means? Intercession, interceding means I am not praying for me, but I'm praying on behalf of other people. You know, we do that here. 
We intercede for people in all the nations across the globe. We pray for people outside these walls. And honestly, we have been praying that you would be here today. And look, you're here. Can't deny that. But listen, so Moses prays and then what appears to happen, everybody say appears. What appears to happen is God says, okay, um, uh, in verse 20, then the Lord said, after Moses pleads with him, the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter the land. The question here is this, did Moses' prayer change God's mind? Do our prayers change God's mind? I've been asked this question many, many times uh, in, in other versions too. Does prayer make a difference? Uh, does prayer really change anything? Have you ever felt that way? Uh, someone, I'm glad they asked it in this form because when people ask me, does prayer change God's mind? The first automatic response, if I were just to be short with you, I would say, of course not. Of course not. But if you ask me, does prayer change things? I would say absolutely a resounding yes. Well, how can that be? Well, we saw the story here in Moses. We also see instances in the Old Testament where God, um, uh, the King James Version would put it this way, repents. Have you ever read that in scripture and been confused? Why would God repent? Well, the word repent is, um, really means comforted. And so our issue this morning is this. Who's writing numbers? Moses. Moses is writing from Moses' perspective. Correct? Moses has, um, is only human, Right? And under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he is writing this, and he is remembering these stories, this narrative. Um, and so one of the things that we need to keep in mind when we think, does God, can our prayers change God's mind? No. What would that mean if, our, if they did? What would it mean if God changed his mind? It would mean that God had a bad idea. Or that his plans weren't right to begin with, right? Would we ever say that of God? No. Um, we, in the, in the Bible, especially when Moses is writing, we, there's this term called anthropomorphic. It means that we are giving human descriptors to a non-human entity. Um, how many of you know you are finite? Yeah. Would you admit this morning that you're not God? So our minds cannot contain God. Um, and so considering this, considering these things, that Moses is writing from down here looking up, it might look like God was changing his mind. But in fact, God's plans never change. Um, we know God knows all things. Um, the beginning from the end. You can see that in Revelation 22, Ephesians 1, 4. Um, it is not possible 
for God to improve upon any plan he has made because his plans are already perfect. The Bible says that in 2 Samuel 22 and has stated that his plans will prevail. Isaiah 46. So with all this in mind, can I get to the heart of the question? If God is sovereign, why should we pray anyway? So Carl, if, this is, if my prayer isn't changing God's mind and God is sovereign and in total control, why pray? And I'll, I'll put it this way. God not only ordains the beginning and the end, he also ordains the means. So God not only determines the beginning and the end, so God's plans are perfect and good, but he also ordains the means, meaning God uses our prayers to accomplish his sovereign will. Why should we pray? Because God tells us to. 1 John 5.14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. John 5.15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have asked of him. 1 Chronicles. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. All through 2 Chronicles. You, you remember this one. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Ephesians 6, pray in the spirit on all occasions. Jeremiah 29, 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. There is no question this morning that we should pray. Can I tell you that? Does our prayer change God's mind? No, because his will and his plans are perfect. And honestly, prayer isn't designed to change God's mind. And I don't know that if he, even if we could, you would want him to. The mind of God does not change because God does not change. The prayer of his people is one of the means he uses to bring to pass his will on the earth. So if you ask this morning, will, will prayer change God's mind? No. Will prayer change things? Absolutely. God will, in fact, use your prayers to accomplish his will. That's why we can come boldly to God with our prayers. Because we know he can because we know his will is good and prayer is a means by which he aligns our hearts and our will to his heart and his will. That's what prayer is. Prayer is um, used to tune us to God. Amen? That's the first question. I'm going to cut it off there. I could go longer. I could preach a whole sermon on it, but I'm not going to. It's Q&A Sunday. We have other questions to get to. So let's see what you guys have been doing. Oh, my Lord. Oh, goodness. My whole phone has to reboot. You ask so many questions. All right, let's see. I'm going to go through some of these um, and try and speak to them. Here's one. Here's one. First one I got this, this morning, it looks like. How are we supposed to have unity as Christians 
even with big denomination differences. Like, how can we have unity with those who deny the Trinity or being saved by faith alone? Scripture is very clear. Jesus was very clear with his disciples that unity and being one is important among the body of Christ. Right? A matter of fact, he told his disciples, how, his disciples asked him, how will people know that we're of you? And this is what he responded with. He said, people will know that you are of me by the way you love each other. Unity is important. Love is important. Um, here we communicated in a couple ways. Um, when it comes to unity <clears throat> and the things we believe, we have the open hand of theology and then the closed hand, okay? Um, Closed-handed things are um, Jesus Christ is the substitutionary atonement for our sins. He paid the price. He is the one through whom you get salvation. That's a non-negotiable. If you don't believe that, you're actually not a Christian. You're something else. That's a non-negotiable. Um, but over here in the open hand are other things. You know Christians disagree on baptism. Um, we have brothers and sisters who believe this, but believe differently on baptism. Um, there are other non-negotiables that God is sovereign, that God is in control. These are, this, the doctrine of God's um, uh, rule and reign is something that is not negotiable, if, or that Jesus is God. That's a non-negotiable. There are people that don't believe that Jesus was God. He was just a teacher. If you don't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, then you're not a Christian. But for Christians who believe all these closed-handed important things together, this is what we should unify around, okay? I have brothers and sisters who I will see in heaven, okay, that believe differently on baptism. They believe differently on maybe communion. They believe differently on uh, roles of men and women. They uh, disagree with us on uh, a plethora of things, um, on, sal on how salvation happens, some of that. Um, not in a Jesus Christ sense, but in a who's responsible. Um, I grew up in an environment where I was responsible for my salvation. That's the uh, environment I grew up in. Um, and uh, we believe differently than that, that God holds salvation. But we have brothers and sisters that believe differently than us. And they, whether they believe they were in control of their salvation or not, they may still go to heaven. Um, so everybody say Unity. We need to unify around the closed hand, okay? If you're having uh, rubs with other people um, who say they're Christians and they believe differently on open-handed things, um, I've heard it said this way, don't major in the minors, okay? Not that these things are light duty or not important, but these things determine who's a Christian and who's not, um, and we don't want to, we want to be known by our love for each other and our unity for one another. Um, if people want to squabble with these things, the Bible's very clear that we should separate. We're, they're not Christians. We shouldn't hang out um, uh, uh, and align with them. But over here, 
Um, man, it's all across the board. I have people that believe all across the board on these things, and I love them, and I care for them, and we do ministry together, and they can apologize when they get to heaven, okay? I'm just kidding. That's hateful. Uh, they would say the same thing of me. Um, and look, I'm okay to change my mind, um, especially if the Lord reveals it in his word to me. Amen? Okay, let's, let's keep going. Let's see if we have any wild cards in here. Let me move up to the next one. Oh, no, that's... I should call this number back. All right. Um, some of these... I'm. I'm not going to be able to answer because we just don't have the time. Like someone asked, how can we trust the canon of Scripture? So how can, how, how can you trust this book? I can take you through a whole history lesson. It'll take us about four and a half hours about how um, God created this book. But can I tell you something? A little neat fact. You ready? This doesn't in totality answer the question. Um, but if you were to go through this book and draw arches to all the places that confirm each other in Scripture? Thousands. Thousands. This book, 66 books put into one binding, okay? The canon of Scripture was written over hundreds, thousands of years, okay? A long time by 40 different authors in different time periods. And they all preach and say the same things. Um, that's one good reason. I, I could go into more, um, but then uh, some of my brothers, okay, over here on the open hand, one of those open hand things, I have brothers and sisters that are KJV only, okay? You ever met folks, KJV only? Um, um, good, I have a cousin uh, who is KJV only. He preaches uh, at a Baptist church in West Virginia, uh, we disagree on some of those things, but hey, we're going to do ministry together and we're going to love the Lord together because that is open-handed, okay? That's one of those things you need to keep an open hand. Um, all right, let's see. I'm reading through some of these. I'm also trying to make sure they've had time to type these in. Can, just a shout out to our production team. Um, that, man, can y'all give them a hand for their work? Coming through. Oh, look. Somebody's having a conversation on here. God is great. Yes, he is. Praise God. That's good. <laughs> Somebody else tried to call. Um, ah. This kind of goes back to our original question. Uh, if what's happening in our nation right now is a sign of the end times, can prayers and supplication to God change the outcome? We talked about this a little earlier. Can we change God's plans? No. Do our prayers change things? Yes. Um, we have to be able to sit in between. There's a little bit of rub there, okay? But we have to be able to sit in that tension um, our prayers will not change when the Lord returns. Only he knows the day and the hour. Um, and he has all that written down. It's ready to go. Um, uh, but as far as our nation, and I'll speak to this. It's real. They've been saying for, well, I guess as long as I've been. How many of you grew up in church? 
Look, I can, be, I can remember being a little boy in the 80s, early 90s, and they were preaching, look around, sign of the times. He's coming back. Back then, they've been preaching it for years. Um, do I think these are unusual times? I do, for me, in our generation, in our culture. Um, I think all those times, and if we look back to numbers where we're just walking through, all of it is designed to do one thing, to draw us to him. Yeah, and for us to say he is enough even in this um, time in our nation. Um, all right, let's keep going. Have you always liked vitamin D milk? <laughs> Who asked that question? Of course. That's good. That was an easy one. Thank you. Um, And this is a good question. Why, and you can almost hear the weightiness behind it. Why doesn't God answer my prayers, send messages, or help me overall, no matter how much I need it in any given moment? Why do things keep getting worse no matter how I adjust my faith? Have you ever been in a, in a time like that? Have you ever been in a place where it feels like your prayers are just hitting a ceiling and ricocheting off? Um, I, I would respond to this person simply by saying you have a, uh, a wealth of um, company in this book. And in this room of people who would uh, have testimonies of, man, I just feel like I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm believing and I'm trying, I'm working. I feel like I'm working myself to death trying to get God to, to do what I'm asking him to do. And I don't understand why he's not answering. Um, one of the things we can tell from scripture, uh, and we've talked about prayer a little bit. It seems like everybody's focusing around prayer this morning. I really like that. Um, because I, I feel like there are those in this room who are wondering today, do my prayers make a difference? And they do. Um, but I think we have to check also our posture. Um, I have been guilty of going to the Lord in prayer and saying not... Um, Yet not my will, but yours be done. Instead of praying that prayer, I'll say, God, I just need you to do this and try and make God do what I want him to do and for some of us need him to do. I have uh, my wife working at the back and me, um, I can remember days and nights praying for God to do something very, very specific in seasons that lasted years years. And what I can tell you um, with much confidence is that, again, our prayers are designed to 
turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and everything else will dim, okay? Doesn't disappear. Can I say that? Um, we live in a broken world and we are faced with disease and things we don't understand and we don't understand why God isn't doing what I want him to do. Um, you could look at the people of Israel as they go through numbers, right? Hey, why am I in this wilderness? And we covered this last week. And I can't tell you exactly why he's not answering because I'm not God. And I don't know his plans. But I know who he is. And so if I were to give you any comfort today, I would say he is enough. He is enough. And I don't say that from a cold place like, oh, well, you don't get what I'm walking through. Let me tell you something. Our marriage has been on the rocks. I've wondered about my kids. I've been sick. I've lost family members. Let me tell you something. There's a family in New Kent County today who buried their husband on October 12th because he died of COVID-19 at 45 years old, leaving three girls under 17. They're asking some of the same questions. And can I tell you today that God is enough? He's enough. I can't say he's going to fix it. I can't say um, he's, 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 he, your will is his will, but Lord, uh, let our will become your will that's what scripture would tell us to do. Very good question. I don't know who texted that in, whether you're online or in this room, but can I tell you, we're praying with you. Our hearts break for you. I grieve for you. Um, you are not alone. I'd, I'd encourage you to lean in. Surround yourself with some people who are going to push you towards Christ. Because the closer I get to him, the more I love him. Okay. All right, let's... Um, what time is it? I don't want to run us late. Are y'all enjoying this? Is this good? Is this all right? Ooh, ooh, that's good. This actually might wrap me into my last question. Does God forgive sinners even when we continuously sin? And can he pull us out of the darkness? In short, to the second, can he pull us out? Yes. Oh, he can pull you out. To the first, does he forgive sinners? Yes. Continuously sinning is an issue. Um, you can see in Scripture people who were right next to Christ sinning. Okay? Um, what does the Bible tell us about Christ's forgiveness? Let me look it up. Let me look it up. I think it's in Hebrews. Um, Yep, I was right, sweet. Um, 
If you go to Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to go to verse 3. I'll start in verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Watch number 3. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand um, of the majestic God in heaven. Um, The answer, very quickly, is that Christ forgives sins once for the Christian, once for all. Once for all, Um, when we come to God and we ask for forgiveness, he didn't just die for our past sins or our current sins. He died for all of our sins. That's what scripture tells us. Um, What does this mean? What does this mean? In the life of a sinner, there there are different ways people um, respond to sin, okay? Let me put it this way. A sinner isn't sorry about his continuous sin. Can I tell you the first sign that you're a Christian? You are grieved over your sin. If, for those who say they're a Christian, but go on sinning with no remorse or grievance or, or any desire to obey the Lord more fully, you are not a Christian. You may have had some warm fuzzies and said the prayer, but a Christian desires to serve and obey the Lord and lives an active life of confession and repentance. It's all through Paul's writings. Um, Christ on the cross was sufficient for all of it, okay? His blood covered all sins, Um, but it's, I think in this question, I just want to make sure I'm very clear. Um, uh, does God forgive sinners even when we continuously sin? It really depends um, on if you're a Christian or not. <laughs> um, there are many people who declare they're a Christian um, and they continue sinning, but they're not actually living for the Lord. They're not actually Christians. God forgives the sins of those who call him Lord. Hey, this is a tough pill to swallow, um, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of folks think if they're checking certain boxes, that makes them a Christian, um, and then they can control the rest of their life. Like if you show up here at 10 a.m. on Sundays every week, that that somehow earns you a spot in the pearly gates. Um, wrong answer. Wrong answer. God forgives sins, and he forgives all sins, okay? Um, And he does it with his blood, and we're about to celebrate that here in a moment. Um, And he can absolutely pull you out of darkness into the realm of light. That's what the New Testament tells us. All right. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? That means to speak in tongues. No, I'm just kidding. That's not it. Um, it can. It can mean that. 
we are a continuationist church, so we do believe in the gift of tongues and the Lord using those things. And some of you may be like, oh, that's weird. It is. It's it's different. We don't see it as much anymore. And let me tell you, uh, that's in charismatic churches as well as uh, in other denominations, okay? Um, you don't see it um, as often um, as, well, and I grew up charismatic, so it, it used to be way more prevalent in the charismatic church. Um, in, a, in a Baptist setting, which is where we are, um, the gifts of the Spirit is something that's like really uncomfortable for folks to talk about. Um, but what I will say, it, the particular scripture here, when it's talking about praying in the spirit, it means to pray things that the spirit, um, has called us to pray. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are lovely. We want to pray on these things. And when it says pray continually in the spirit, it's, it's telling us that we need to tune our minds to the spirit of God and continually have this communication going on. Um, so uh, it's hard to tell sometimes what's being asked in the question, but I can tell you this, um, it is not solely speaking in tongues. Praying in the Spirit is primarily praying in the will of God, praying um, and keeping our hearts uh, full of His presence and His Spirit by His Word. We pray His Word. We pray all kinds of things um, that would in, uh, put us in line with him, um, which means if you were praying for the Braves to win, it may have been in the spirit because they did win. Amen. See, I thought I might get one. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, we did have some other questions, and, and look, I will definitely respond to the vitamin D milk question um, via text. If, if I didn't answer your question today, I'm going to text you back. We had a couple people ask a couple things um, uh, in the previous weeks. I had one person ask, should I, does the Bible give me any direction on should I take the vaccine? And so I scoured the scriptures. Oh, everybody's on pins and needles now. Look at you. Oh, here we go. We're going to some of you are deciding right now if you're going to come back to this church or not, based on how I answer this question. Can I tell you that's a problem? Can I tell you it's, it's, it's a problem that there, there is a big church shifting going on. Did you know this? People are now attending churches not because of how they line up theologically, but how they line up ideologically. People will come here or not come here based on what I say about a vaccine. And it's sad. Anyway, I scoured the scriptures, and here's what I found. Scriptures against the vaccine. And look, I've also had people ask me to give them religious exemption letters for the vaccine. Um, and there are no scriptures against the vaccine. You can uh, cherry pick a few scriptures if you want and take them out of context, which is most, and when I ask people why they're against the vaccine, they don't typically quote scripture. They quote a media outlet or some famous, well, I'm not going to name names, but famous, you know, voices on Facebook. Um, oh, well, so-and-so's, and 
but they won't quote scripture. And you know why? Because it's not there. There's no scripture for either. Okay, it's a grace base. Now, I will say this, as far as when I was studying and scouring the scriptures for a is there scripture to tell people to go get the vaccine? Because that's what people want to know. Do I go get the vaccine or not? And I can tell you there's specifically nothing around vaccines, but there are multiple places in scripture that have rippling implications. Rippling implications. Here's what I mean. Um, for some reason, the church and science and medicine uh, seem to have this chasm between the two. Um, there, you know, there are entire denominations and people who believe that if you're a real Christian and you have real faith, you don't need doctors and medicine. How foolish. Uh, is that too strong? Okay. Um, I'm sorry, I, I get a little amped uh, because people come out and I've seen people literally die from rejecting the God-given grace of medicine. You see it all through scripture. You see people taking, taking um, advantage of all types of, as far back as like Tamar um, in the Old Testament. In Genesis, I don't know if you've ever heard the story, she had twins. Um, but uh, one of the twins that came out first, the arm came out first. Do you know that's not how it's supposed to happen? But Tamar had a midwife who evidently knew what they were doing and pushed the baby back in. Is that a version? Is that, what was that fancy thing, that big term, baby? Where they, they push on your belly and turn that thing around. A version, right? Okay, I got it. Mom, you should be proud of me today. Um, we see it even there, Tamar going at this midwife, knowing enough medically to turn that baby back around and, and get the baby out safely, had twins. Um, we see um, other implications in scripture where people take, there's the woman with the issue of blood. She had gone to doctors, right? The moral of the story there isn't that medicine was bad, but that Christ was everything she needed, that he was the real hope. He was the real source. It wasn't some dejecting of medical stuff. And I have seen all types of just baloney. Okay? So here's what I'm saying. One, I do not fill out religious exemption things for vaccines because it's not in Scripture. I can't, I can't give you some religious exemption for something that doesn't exist in Scripture. Um, but what I can tell you is this. And even in Leviticus, like before they knew it was medicine, God had the people operate certain ways to remain clean because they didn't have medical advancements. I don't have time to go into detail, um, but can I tell you, uh, from Genesis, God has called us to shepherd well the things he's given us. In the New Testament, he calls us to care for our neighbors. I'm not going to tell you to get the vaccine or not to get the vaccine. I'll tell you, I got the vaccine. And I have not grown any fifth toes. My DNA has not changed yet. I mean, unless y'all see something, I don't. I mean, I'm just. You know what else the Bible says? There, it is sinful to place one's personal freedom over other people. Paul says it very explicitly. And that's not just in this medicine field, but this, this also includes drinking and other things that people are like, oh, you can do this or do that. It's not whether you can. 
It's about whether you should. We cannot place personal freedom over others. That is more American than it is biblical. I know you, uh, uh, I'm going to get fired today. I know it. I know it. <laughs> Fun facts for you, and I've got to shut this down. We are going way long. Uh, my, my media people are like, you have got to shut it down, please. Be quiet. Did you, uh, did you know that George Washington mandated that his military get the smallpox vaccine? Mandated it. I, look, some of y'all are like, oh, don't go there, Pastor. You're, you're st-. Let me tell you something. Uh, you, you, we, we're all about priding on George Washington. He mandated it because he didn't want to lose his entire army. Um, in 1890, uh, two or 300 out of 1,000 babies died. Did you know that? It went to seven after vaccines were introduced. Um, So all I'm going to say is I could read you uh, 12 to 15 scriptures about using wisdom. I implore you to use it. I'm not going to tell you to get the vaccine. I'm not going to tell you not to get the vaccine. But what I'm telling you is um, use wisdom. Think about more than just yourself. You should be thinking about your neighbors. Um, You should be thinking about your families and the implications that come from that. Okay. I am going out the back door today. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, y'all gonna find me. Yeah, buddy. I'm gonna close. Uh, yeah, that's right. Bye. See you later. Hey, look, I'm gonna go running. I don't want y'all to find me. <laughs> hey, listen. God's word is very clear. Okay. Um, on the things that are gray. Okay. I just go to what is clear. This is, if you're ever wondering about gray areas in scripture that don't have direct line, chapter, verse, go to the things that are very clear and use those. Okay? They help us understand what's unclear. The last question I got um, uh, had to do with homosexuality. I uh, got, got a text. Um, let's look at it. Is it up there? Yep. Scripture says Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Does this mean my unrepentant homosexual friends will not go to heaven? Um, Can I say this first? And then we're going to take communion together. This is more than just a position point. Um, This conversation involves people with souls. And if we come from any other posture than that, it's a wrong posture. That all people are created in God's image. Um, There are some who will do what we call hermeneutical gymnastics to try and explain from Scripture where homosexuality is okay and is not sinful. But the Bible is clear from front to back how God designed and created the world to work and is specifically um, uh, clear about the sinfulness of homosexuality. Um, 
clearly labels it a sin. And then some, some folks will tell you, they'll say, oh, well, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. Well, he never named homosexuality, but can I tell you what he did do? He did tell us that sexual immorality is wrong. And he did say what marriage should be like. If you go to Matthew, he'll say that he created them male and female. If you go to Mark, he'll tell you that a man should leave his, uh, uh, his family and be joined to his wife. So um, an argument from silence is, is literally the weakest argument you can have um, because Jesus also didn't um, talk about pedophilia, but nobody's going around parading that Jesus is okay with child molesters. Right? Okay. So what would Jesus say? I, I preached a message a couple years ago about what would Jesus say to the LGBTQ community. Um, and I think he would say three things, and I think we should echo these things. You can, you can go to Matthew 7, you can go to John 1, but either way, um, the first thing Jesus would say is, I do not hate you. As hateful as Christians are, about this particular topic. They'll give themselves, you will give yourself a pass on your sinfulness and come down like a hailstorm of fire on homosexual people. That is sinful and a wrong posture. Jesus would say, I do not hate you. Um, truth telling is important, but it matters how you tell the truth. Um, and it also matters what you do after you tell them the truth. I've seen so many Christians like come down on someone in the LGBTQ community and then walk away and ignore them and leave them behind instead of coming in close and wrapping them up. Which is what I believe Jesus would do. He would tell them the truth, but he would do it in a close nature. I think Jesus would say, number two, he would say sexual sin is not king. Okay? Your pridefulness is just as wicked as, as homosexuality. Your anger problem, your dismissal of your spouse, it's all sinful. The way you um, are rude to your kids, it's just as sinful. Um, your haughty spirit is just as sinful as homosexuality. Um, if we're more disgusted over other sin than the vastness of our own, we are desperately out of touch with the gospel. Lastly, believe in me, and I will take care of the rest. Christ is not after our condemnation. He is after our salvation, our reconciliation. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.